Welcome to Foul Players Radio, your podcast for arts, entertainment, and pop culture. My name is Michael Spedden, your host. Every episode features interesting people with fun, fascinating stories about their journeys in the performing arts. Authors, actors, dancers, writers, musicians, athletes, comics, you name it. Folks who are center stage, backstage, on camera, or behind the scenes. Sit back and listen. Let's have some fun. Foul Players Radio is a production of the Foul Players Group and a proud member of the SJ Network. And welcome back to the Rising from the Ashes edition of Foul Players Radio. My name is Michael Spedden. Today's guest is veteran actor, King of the Bee Movies, Mr. George Stover. I and official horror movie correspondent of Foul Players Radio, Alfred Guy, sat down with George to talk about the many movies he has appeared in over the years. He told us great stories of working with John Waters in movies such as Female Trouble, Desperate Living, Polyester, and Hairspray, with John Waters' regulars Divine, Mink Stoll, Edith Massey, and Gene Hill. The three of us also discussed working together on several Lee Dahl films, such as Rise and Fall in Love, Fred Mulligan's Showcase of Stars, and No Stopping the Stover. George also reminisced about working with other filmmakers, such as Don Doler and Chris LaMartina. Subscribe for free at www.foulplayersradio.com or listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, PocketCast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, Castbox, or Podfriend. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Foul Players of Perryville are now booking murder mystery shows for the late summer and fall of 2021. Indoor or outdoor venues, trains, boats, office parties, fundraisers, or just for the heck of it. www.foulplayersofperryville.com or you can reach us at foulplayersperryville at yahoo.com or 443-600-0446. We'll be back with George Stover right after these words. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris Ristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. I'm Michael, the host of the semi-monthly podcast in a city like yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at IACLYS Podcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours Podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think. And keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours.
Hey, this is Don Smith from the Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into the Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at www.su1069.org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts and like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans. Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. And welcome back to Foul Players Radio. And tonight we welcome the king of B-movies. Mr. George Stover, and we also have with us tonight, joining us, of course, is the official horror movie correspondent of Foul Players Radio, my good friend and new grandfather, Mr. Alfred Guy. So welcome, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Thanks, Mike. Hello, everyone. Well, George, it appears that you're still one of the busiest working men in show business here, because I see on your IMDb page... A whole list of things that are coming out this year. Did you not get the memo that we're under pandemic or something? What's going on, buddy? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's funny. You know, uh, <laughs> some people just don't know when to quit. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess I'm one of them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I've uh, done a few projects here at home for some mm-hmm. movies. Uh, just little scenes on the telephone or in the backyard or something. Uh-huh. And I was the one man crew and the one man performer. And, uh, I've done a couple of them during the last few months. Right. That seems to be how it's going. Um, yeah. I, I've heard a lot about that. Not only filming things in people's houses, but also of course, a lot of auditioning over zoom and right. I've heard about that other ways too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, are there any of these new projects you're like at Liberty to elaborate on? Well, I guess so. One was called Amityville Hex. I'm not sure what the whole plot is because I never get the whole scripts on these things. I just get my sides. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, and, you know, I don't really want to spend the time reading the whole thing if I'm just doing two or three pages. But I, I read this hex because I'm dared to read it. I don't believe it can make things bad happen, but they dared me to read it. And I read this hex and uh, apparently it's killed some people, but I, I believe it would have happened anyway. Um <laughs> So anyway, anyway, something bad happens to me. I don't want to spoil it, but it proves that hexes are real. Oh, okay. And then I, I did something for Bloody Hooker Massacre. <laughs> okay. And I, it was just a one-sided telephone conversation hmm. where I'm talking to the other guy who I've never met in real life and never will. <laughs> I'm watching one, one of my old movies on TV. And so it's kind of like got an in-joke in it and I'm drinking coffee and fiddling mm-hmm. with the remote to remember to turn the remote down when I'm on the phone with him. So we, the audience can hear us talk better. Mm-hmm. And and I did that. And, uh, Oh, I did one for, um, Joe Sherlock things seven. Mm-hmm. He makes these, these movies called he's in Portland, Oregon. So I'm, I'm doing these things for people in out of state in many cases. And I'm, you know, sending them, uh, 
over the wire courtesy <laughs> of WeTransfer, which uh, gives you up to two gigabytes free. Sure, right, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so well, my salary still seems, stays the same, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah zero. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's <laughs> I do it for my art. Hey, you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, you know. Well, I mean, you're highly respected. <laughs> a lot of these projects are uh very very low budget and they mm, sure. you know what am i what are they going to pay me they can't pay me much right they right. don't have much mm-hmm. i mean you know i just do it for whatever mm-hmm. where i pass you know, i pass around the hat after i'm finished <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> leave your tip jar out right right <laughs> Right. Well, well, that's great. It's a, I'm glad to see, and it looks like you've got quite a few more that are either filming or in pre-production right now. So yeah, they're, they're listed on there. Some of them I don't think should be on there because they've been, been in pre-production or been filming for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. I've, I've seen that happen before too. Yeah. A lot of, uh, uh, the three of us together have done quite a bit of work with Lee doll. Oh Yeah. Who I've been trying to get, I've been wanting to get back on here too, because I've I've always enjoyed working with him. And so that's actually where I met Alfred, of course. And I met you, you know, working through Lee. Right. And um, I I really enjoy working with him. He's just a great guy. And I think the things we've worked on together were the documentary. What did you think about that documentary, George? Well, it was uh, kind of surreal watching it because, uh, Mm-hmm. I'm not used to seeing myself that way. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. I liked it. I mean, I liked it. We could. I it was unfortunate that we couldn't get uh, rights to use some things that I would prefer mm-hmm. to have used. Sure. sure, that's the nature of the beast. Sometimes you can't get through the the big, the right big shot to give permission. Understood. It's a lot of uh, you know. Uh, quite difficult for a low budget operation to get through to the big folks who can help you out. And then, then if you get to them, they want a fortune for using this clip or whatever. Right. Right. So it, I, it had, it had uh, still photos where I pr- would have preferred that there be clips, but uh, sure, sure. you know, you can't have everything. Sure. Sure. Well, so I, I, was, um, I was very flattered that they did that though. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still paying them off for doing it for me, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought it was nice because a lot of people, you know, came forward from the yeah, film community and really, you know, said some nice things and you know, put some, brought some nice things to the table for that. They did. Oh, that's right. There's still a few of them I have to pay off too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alfred, I know you've worked with George quite a bit even before I knew you. Yeah. Wow. Let's see. I guess that started. That would have started with the Adventures of Luana Lee. Mm. second episode actually mm. i i think oh yeah we did i was gonna say we didn't have many scenes together but we had a we had a couple in that um because we were the the bad guys and stuff we were kind of chasing duanna and her boyfriend around um will has a it was so much fun i mean just th- that whole thing making all those movies but especially that first one mm-hmm. that was the first time i'd been involved in anything to that extent mm. and um I'd done a couple of little things, but but there was a lot more involvement in that. Getting to know George and and um, you know working with him, it was a couple of things. The he always had some stories about you know about acting and 
you know, you really learned a lot without thinking you were. You're mostly laughing most of the time. <laughs> and, you know, looking at his, you tell us about, you know, his different techniques about whether, you know, if he's blinking or, you know, different acting techniques. And he's having a laugh, but mm-hmm. but really, it and it, I think it helped everybody relax and not be nervous. I'm not a nervous, nervous person, mm-hmm. but I do get a little anxious when I don't know how things work. But, um, you know, it it was just... And the whole that's the whole thing with 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 Lee also. Um Lee and George, you're comfortable there mm-hmm. and you feel like you belong there. So if I had a different experience, I might not have done as many things, but you know, just going on and on the next production, you're it's almost like a family reunion. You're waiting to get there to see everybody. You're waiting mm-hmm. to see George, you're waiting <laughs> to see Kate, you're waiting to see Lee, mm-hmm. you're gonna see all the stunt people. So it it it's it's more than just getting together because like George said earlier, for for that type of thing, you know, they you weren't you weren't getting paid, so mm-hmm. there had to be another reason why you would be into it and 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 willing to learn about it and stuff. And and George definitely made it easy. And um, you know, I look forward to, to like trying to find, especially when I started doing a little bit of the writing for stuff. I was like, I got to get in there so I do a scene with George. And a lot of times it doesn't work out work out because of the characters we're playing. You know, we don't get to play off each other as much but it's always very cool and i do think about it consciously you know am i going to get some scenes with george in this and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know we had something coming up and we can talk about that later but we had something coming up that hopefully is still in the works where we'll get to do that third installment of the fixer we also worked on that trailer together that uh counterfeit trailer oh, oh right yeah, march madness <laughs> trailer which was hilarious yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we we were a little team there. Yeah. Trailer for a non-existent movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that um, you know, no matter what, it, it whenever you work on a lead aisle production, I mean, he he's built quite a family of people, and when I say not just a group of people, but a family of people, because it really seems like, and you know, look, we've discussed this before, Alfred. We, we've had. Yes. Steve Rivkin on the show, and you know, even when I've spoken with you and had you as my guest instead of a co-host. You know, the one thing that we always agree on is like, it's not just a group of people. It's a family that Lee has built. Everybody really seems to enjoy each other. I think everybody has a decent chemistry together. You you all know each other from having worked together quite a bit. Yeah. And um, I really think he's got just a nice, you know, family of actors and actresses over there. And it's, it's always a pleasure to be around them. You know, I haven't done it as much as you guys have, but. I always enjoy it when I do, you know, I had a lot of fun during the, I think the only time I worked with you directly, George, was the Fred Mulligan showcase of stars part oh. two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We were there together that day. Uh, Cause we did the uncle moldy show. And I think Alfred did his song. <laughs> yeah. And of course you were the host and uh, the host with the most. How did you like playing that part? Well, I, I enjoyed it because I used to watch the Ed Sullivan show mm-hmm. growing up. So, I mean, every Sunday night, mm-hmm. I watch Ed Sullivan. If a musical act wasn't on Ed Sullivan, then I probably never heard of him. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what I mean, they, all the big yeah. acts were on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it was fun to kind of channel my best Ed Sullivan impression. Mm-hmm. I thought you did just fine. <laughs> well, you know, I did my best. Mm-hmm. for free and that's the best i could do for free now if you really want to <laughs> that's all, you gotta pay, uh, a little bit extra you know but yeah. right 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a lot of the crowd shots and like, and then like all the little things that he put in, in between, you know, like while performances were going on, I think were really funny too. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was, that was definitely enjoyable. I think you can get that at Lee doll films.com or Lee doll.com. Yeah. Lee doll.com. Lee doll.com. Yeah, yep. Yep. And there was Alfred with his, uh, Alfred, what do you think of Alfred's song? I think he did a good job on that. What do you think, George? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I forget the title. That was, um, which way to go. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I thought it was well done, man. He got up and you said you're not really a singer either. No, I'm, I'm probably still not, but, um, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's the thing I was going to say, you know, when, when we come together to do these things, um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, under that umbrella, Lee doll film productions, and you are talking about how it's a family and everybody cares about each other. The other thing Lee does, and, and I know this is, you know, I, I guess George can relate to this too. George has been on like hundreds of these, hundreds of these movie sets. Mm-hmm. And worked with tons of people, whether it was like a cameo or he was the star of a of a low budget horror production. But I think with Lee Dahl's set is, and I'm not saying it, it it couldn't be present on other sets or it's not. But you get a feeling, you just get a feeling of support and caring and camaraderie mm-hmm. that you might not get everywhere else. And so relating that to that whole thing about me recording a single, mm-hmm. it was like he had so much confidence in it that it would work that I couldn't help, but go do it. You know, there, there's, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's anybody else that could ask me, well, go record something, go make a song. And I was like, Oh, okay. But you know, he said, Hey, I'd like you to do this. I know you can do it. Here's how we're going to do it. I mean, he had a plan and you just went and did it. And it's like that on the sets too. And I think the, I think George's um, biography or documentary mm-hmm kind of showed that. And George made a joke about, you know, having to pay people off to say the nice things. <laughs> I think it showed how much everybody cared for and cares about George mm-hmm. that went into the making of that documentary. Oh, and I, yeah. I bring it back out and watch it from time to time, we, even through the difficult parts where we were, you know, really concerned about his well-being. But all in all, to sum up everything, you could see how he's respected and the support that he gets. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That, yeah. And it's the same thing we get through the productions that we do, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. A lot of people look up to you, George, you know, they're very short people. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you look up to me, Mike. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's not because of my ego. It's just because of physics. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when he's sitting down, <laughs> yeah, he's sitting exactly. down, he looks or standing tall, in a hole, you know, <laughs> how tall are you, uh, Mike? Six foot six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Six foot six. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking through here and I was looking at done a couple of some other local ones here. So you did the WNUF Halloween special that was done locally. I know that uh, the call girl of Cthulhu and what happens next will scare you. What, what was it working on? Like working on those sets? Well, Chris La Martina is very talented and he's a lot of fun. He is easy he going. Is. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I really enjoyed working with him mm-hmm. and uh, we did the president's day as well. Yeah, sure. Sure. Graveyard stories. He, he makes, he specializes in comedy horror movies. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so they're not straight horror, but they're not straight comedies. They, you know, mm-hmm. they're right. really funny and uh, gory at the same time. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is true. This is true. He's mm-hmm. really uh, nice to work. 
work with. He calls me his third grandfather. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I'm, you know, approximately his age. What is it? What is he in the thirties? <laughs> Yeah, you're Jack Benny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he's that's, a lot of fun. And that's where we did that. Of course, with Al, we did that uh, trailer, March Madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yes. That was, right. that's a funny tra- that was a funny trailer. That's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, Chris mm-hmm. made a series of trailers for movies that don't exist. And uh, they're on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, one's called uh, Shriek of the Easter Beast. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> that's a good title. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And you were, you had worked with John Waters a couple of times too. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the early days. That was my first uh, speaking role in Female Trouble. Right. Right. What was that? What was working on that movie like? You kind of met an untimely death. Um. <laughs> that, that was the next movie. Uh, the next one I did, Desperate Living. Mm-hmm. Female Trouble was the one where I played oh. the chaplain, escorting oh, right. behind the electric chair. And that was my first speaking part. It was a lot of fun. Uh, John mm-hmm. was very prepared. You know, he might convey this image of uh, being a pot-smoking hippie at the time. Mm-hmm. But he was very pre- prepared and professional. And we actually shot in the an empty cell block of the uh, prison downtown. Oh, okay. oh wow. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I In that movie... It's probably the most one of the most famous I've ever done. It's been it's been in print ever since, mm-hmm. and it's been released all over the world. And uh, it came out on Blu-ray from Criterion a while back, and uh, they did a great job with the restoration. Wow! Did it really? I, I missed that. I got a. Is that out of print? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I haven't looked it up on Amazon or Criterion's website, but. Uh, I have a hunch that we've still got some copies left. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I will definitely look that up. Yeah. It's uh it's re- very nice. It's uh very well done. Okay. So you, you were the chaplain, I guess, in the electric chair. Right. I uh, escorted right. divine down to the electric chair. Well, what was working with divine? Like, well, um, on set divine always called me father because I was a priest. I won't say I became uh friends with him because i kind of hid in the corner until they needed me i didn't really chit chat with people while we were on set sure sure and i think i only saw him one other uh twice uh once before that at a meeting for the movie and then i was a sort of an extra in uh polyester and i saw Mm -hmm. i worked with divine and polyester actually we did a scene together that was cut and that's where i got him to sign a, a still i had uh from female trouble. So I have divine's autograph on a still that was gotten in person hmm. on the set of polyester. Well, you know, he called me father on the set and we didn't really, uh, chit chat cause they were, you know, everybody was so busy and sure. Sure. I didn't really want to strike up a conversation. Of course, in a, in a big budget Hollywood movie, you're not allowed to, uh, talk to the principal unless you're, uh, <laughs> the principal talks to you first. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, I- uh, yeah, I did. I kind of minded my own business and uh, sat in the corner until I was needed. Mm-hmm. If I knew people were going to be asking me questions about that movie decades later, I would have written a book at the time. In the corner, right? You'd, have pre- <laughs> You'd have prepared yourself. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so after that, you did Desperate Living, right? 
and that that was the one. I, I'm sorry, I got the two of those confused. That's okay. That but was that was role for me right. and I. Yeah. And yeah. you were with you played Mink Stoll's husband, right? Right. We had a maid named uh, Griselda. And what was that actress's name? Jean Hill. Jean Hill. That's right. Yeah. Known from the greeting cards in the seventies. Yes, I was just going to mention them. She did a series of greeting cards. Uh, so did Edith Massey, and mm-hmm. they're very funny. And uh, I guess they're, uh, I mean, I'm sh- this, this was years ago, so I'm sure they're uh, uh, sold out, although you can find most anything on eBay. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're not likely to find them for sale in a store anymore because those were uh, yeah, uh, from many years ago. But she was very nice. And I went to see um, a play she was in. I forget the title after the filming. It was at the arena stage. I think that's the name of it. Okay. And she, she was a sweetheart. Very nice and funny, very cracking jokes and uh, very nice lady. I went to her um, viewing at this church. There were about half a dozen of us or so who uh, were there from the movie. And did you ever work with Edie? Not directly, but I mean, I I actually, uh, she was on set the the day I worked in polyester and I drove her home uh, that after the shooting was complete. Mm -hmm. I had known her from uh, hanging around the sets of the other movies and from her store, Edith's shopping bag. And, <laughs> you know, uh, we weren't in a scene directly with one another, but we were both in polyester. Mm, right. Right. Yeah. I uh, remember her, especially, you know, from you know, pink flamingos and oh yeah, you know, seeing her in all the movies and stuff too. And then also, you know, polyester, how was, po- what, what was the experience like in polyester? It looks like you played um, a, a, a reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, experience doing it was fine, but I, I was disappointed that my little scene where I had a line was cut. I have mm-hmm. photos of it, though, on my on my Facebook page. But uh, mm-hmm. this, there was a scene with Jeff Yeager and I inside the kitchen, and we were uh, had a line or two with Divine. And then we chased mm-hmm. Divine outside, and I'm, I'm I grab her from I grab her arms and put them behind her, mm-hmm. and I have a photo of that. But it was the whole thing was cut, John. Once told me that uh, uh, it had too much scream in it, and the scene, the, the scene was in the um, version that, that John sent to New Line Cinema. But mm-hmm. the, the men in the suits decided, "Oh, let's snip this." It was uh, too much screaming. Oh, okay. the scene. So um, <clears throat> they snipped it out, and of course, it uh, went on the cutting room floor, and then it was probably sweeped up to the cutting room uh, <laughs> furnace. And, uh, I've never seen it. I was hoping when it came out on Blu-ray, that would be an extra, but no such luck. No such luck, huh? No. Right. And I see that you also were in Hairspray. Yeah, I played a policeman, the mansion policeman. Mm-hmm. That was only half a day. But I got to meet uh, Buddy Dean. Okay. From the Buddy Dean show. Sure. He, he was the inspiration for uh, the character Corny Collins. Right, right. And I got to meet. Ruth Brown, who was a soul singer, jazz singer, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, I think she was in, from New York, and she sang in nightclubs and stuff. Got to meet her, mm-hmm. and she was very nice. So it was, you could see me in the in the movie just opening a door. I opened the door at the governor's mansion and, of the car, and, and Buddy Dean sticks his microphone in the window. The governor's inside the, the limousine. Of course, I get my name in the end credits, because in this day and age, they list Everybody in the end credits, it seems. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the old days, not everyone 
was listed in the end credits who had the smaller parts. Mm-hmm. If you watch an old movie, you'll notice that they, uh, you know, don't give give credit to a lot of people. Right, right. Small roles, but mm-hmm. nowadays they do. Uh, especially, especially on uh, independent movies, because that extends the running time when you have. Yeah. <laughs> 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 sure, yes, sure, it does. sure, sure. Um, I had Bruce Valanche as a guest not too long ago, and Bruce Valanche was in the stage version, the touring stage version of and on Broadway of Hairspray. Oh, cool. Uh, playing the divine part, the um, Mrs. Turnblad. Oh, cool. And of course, he's from California. He's not from here. And uh, what I was telling him was that you know, when Hairspray, how popular Hairspray was when it first came out, um, especially yeah. the one you were in too, because that one was filmed here and it was just such, you know, such part of the culture and everything. Yeah. And so memorable for a lot of people because so many Baltimoreans got to be in it. Right. But as you know, from being in these movies, there was a big difference in hairspray compared to desperate living, female trouble, pink flamingos and all the rest of them, you know, uh, they were, uh, some of the content was a little more rough, you know, (laughs) to say the least. Okay. So I was telling him, I, I had a couple of friends, you know, that worked in video stores, some local mom and pop video stores. And when, Hairspray came out on video, you know, of course, mom and dad go to the video store and they pick up hairspray and they bring it home and they sit on the couch with the kids in their pajamas and their popcorn. And they're all watching hairspray and they're telling them what the sixties were like and tell them about the mashed potato and the bug and the twist and all that (laughs) stuff. And, you know, they enjoyed the movie. It was a nice family experience. And on a number of occasions, the people would return hairspray. And they'd be looking around the video store for the next thing they're going to treat their family to. And they go, oh, honey, look, another John Waters movie. What's this? Oh, it's Pink Flamingos. Well, let's take this home. A couple of friends. Surprise. Yeah. A couple of friends of mine said, you know, because of that, I don't think Blockbuster and Hollywood video carried that, but I do know that it's in a couple of these mom and pop places, they actually had to keep pink flamingos behind the counter. Oh yeah. And then whoever wanted to rent it out, and especially if they look like they were with kids, they got the explanation right. <laughs> of the difference in eras of John Waters movies. Right. Yeah. You know, that was, that was quite yeah, a bit. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Alfred, yes, sir. Our uh, horror movie guru here. I know you're a Don Dohler fan, I believe. Right. And I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. uh, Absolutely. Why don't you guys talk a little Don Dohler for me here? Tell me about some of these experiences, huh? So, so yeah, I mean, I mean a couple things. So George, let me see, I gotta get the movies right. So we have one of the, actually, I think one of the first Don Dohler movies I saw, I even saw it before night beast was um, harvesters. Oh, the the so Harvesters was actually a remake of a previous movie, and yeah, then I've heard people say that. Of, well, of Blood Massacre. I can't Blood Massacre, right? And yeah. I've watched both of them. I would say that it is a loose, was well, not that loose, but it is a remake. But your so your roles were completely different in both, and where you were the father of the family in Harvesters. Uh, yes, I was. And Leanna was your wife, Leanna Chamish, oh, who you mentioned right. before on the show. And then in Blood Massacre, you were actually the, I, I guess, the protagonist. 
Yeah, the, the uh, military military yeah. guy. Yeah, um, we were the villains who invaded the home, the family's home. Right. Um, at the time, though, it was made. At, at the time, Harvesters was made. I don't ever recall Don Duller uh, claiming it was we're going to redo Blood Massacre. I don't remember him ever right. saying that. I don't remember anybody ever saying that until years later after Harvard. Yeah, it's it, made after, you know, even I mean years after it was made, after Harvesters was made, I heard that, but uh I just wonder if uh how much of that was Don Don's intention or if it was just a I don't know. I don't know why he'd want to remake uh, Blood Massacre at all. Yeah. It's really interesting because perfect the way it I was. I didn't know about Blood Massacre before. Uh-huh. It was one of the earlier ones. And so when I watched, I really enjoyed Harvesters. You know, it was a thing I went to a convention. I got Harvesters, came home and watched it a couple times. And um, it, and then later on, like you said, I heard, oh, well, you know, Harvesters is actually a remake. And maybe this is just the uh, people's impression because they saw both. That actually... That actually kind of led me to go back and watch Blood Massacre. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I really didn't know much about it, and and so one question I had was we're trying to remember those roles, which which, and I know you've done so many different genres, and I was going to ask you about favorites, but just take those two movies, and I know well, there's a time span. Musical comedy is my favorite. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am going to ask you though. I got I got another related question like that too. But, a little offshoe and a little time. And so, yeah, some uh, showcase of stars. Right, which, yeah. I should have been. You were, one, you, were, you, you were wonderful in that um, as an aside. But um, Blood Massacre, Harvesters, your roles in both. Mm. Which one did you enjoy more doing? That that The, the kind of father of the family or the mm. troublemaker kind well, of military in, person? Yeah. In Blood Massacre, I got to kiss a girl. Okay, well, I guess you hey, answered my question. Yeah. There was a make-out <laughs> scene in Blood Massacre. So, uh, in, from that point of view, it was more, it was more fun doing that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was kind of nastier in that movie, playing a wearing the uh, um, army outfit and the j- army jacket and stuff. I think I was uh, a little bit nasty, quite nastier than in uh, Harvesters. Of course, I was nasty in that one too. Yeah, it was a, it was a different feel for that though because it was sort of like an eccentric nasty in harvesters and it was just an outright rough nasty in blood massacre yeah, you say. know when i was uh, doing harvesters though it never crossed my mind that it was a remake of a uh, blood massacre perhaps that's because i just read my sides and didn't read the whole script well you know who who knows i mean there, there's so many um it is a similar movie i'll say that. yeah but I as bet, far as yeah, there are some similar plot elements but, you know yeah. a lot of people have told me I've seen, I've read that uh, Night Beast. Some people say it was a, a remake of the Alien Factor, you know, because some of the characters were the same. The sheriff and I played the same character. If you've seen the Alien Factor and Night Beast, have you yeah. seen? Some people think Night Beast was a remake of the Alien Factor, or a, a sequel, or a reboot, because several characters were the same in both movies, played by the same actors. Um, myself. Uh, Sheriff, uh, aunt, my Aunt Ruth, and uh, a couple others were the same uh, 
performers playing the same roles. And I often, but they had no tie-in with the plots. So there was, it's, but I always thought of it like the Night Stalker. You had the same uh, characters every week. Darren oh, McGarry. sure, sure. You had his editor and the guy on the, the other guy on the newspaper and the telephone operator who you'd get tips from. Every week it was a different monster. So it was as though uh, the, the, the town, the people in t- uh, Perry Hill, Maryland, uh, encountered these creatures in the alien factor. Then at another time, same characters encountered a new monster in Night Beast, and there's no connection between the episodes of Night Stalker. Other, you know, you have a few right, 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 encountering a new uh, monster every exactly. week. So, so the aliens uh, just the aliens just decided to come there both times. Yeah, so that's yeah, how, that, that works for me. That's how I, I thought of uh, Night Beast in, in terms of its comparison to Alien Factor. Yeah, and, and and yeah, so I've seen both of those, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say that that was a, a remake. Yeah, no, that's it's a, no, it's a different uh, different premise. A little, uh, yeah. So I I, I agree, yeah, I agree. but uh, I, I've read things that you know some people think said it's a remake. Some people say it's a reboot. Some people say it's a sequel. And I just like to think of it as a a Night Stalker episode where a new monster comes to town and the same characters deal with it. And they never mentioned, <laughs> they never mentioned last week's monster or the previous. Right. Monster. Yeah. Right. Everything's oh, back. Yeah. Everything's back to zero, back right. to one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And did you get, the- so now was, was blood massacre your first movie with Don? Then? No, that was my fifth. I wow. done, I done alien factor. Fiend. Okay, so I ha- I don't have the sequence down. Okay, uh, Alien Factor, Fiend, uh, Night Beast, Galaxy Invader, and then uh, Blood Massacre. Oh, okay. And then Alien Rampage, which is what was released as Alien Factor Two, the uh, Alien Rampage. Yeah, I, I I have that one. So th- so there's a couple that I don't. You you were like naming them. There's a couple I don't have. So I need to do some work. Uh. Yeah. I think you know, they're all on YouTube, believe it or not. Is that right? I'm oh, pretty Steve. sure. At least at one time they were. I'm not sure if they're still there. But uh, before but, you plunk down any money, check out YouTube. I do like my physical media, though. Yeah. You know, so I, do I. Yeah. I really do, too. That's why I uh, still collect DVDs. And I'll never get into streaming because uh, I like to hold it in my hand, put it on shelf. So, so tell me this, since we are still, we're talking about, still talking about the Don Doler movies with Time Warp and everything. I know you, you're you're a collector Uh and you probably have most of those on DVD or Blu-ray. Do you have them on any other media? Like, do you actually have um, film of some of those movies? I do for a couple of the uh, Don Doler movies, the earlier ones, because they were shot on film. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh. I did get prints of a couple of the earlier ones, but um, I will say that uh, Alien. I wanted to mention that Alien Factor Two, the Alien Ram- the Alien Rampage, was uh, made about six years after Blood Massacre because Don went into a uh, holding pattern where he didn't <laughs> think he wanted to make any uh, uh, more movies. Oh, because mm-hmm. Blood Massacre sat, did, it, it took so many years to get Blood Massacre released that he was just 
disappointed with the whole situation. So he, uh, yeah, uh, he didn't didn't make any movies for a few years, and I'm the one who helped get him back into filmmaking. Oh wow! I knew this guy named Joel Denning, who had a 16 millimeter camera and was familiar with uh, video editing, where you take the film, transfer it to video, and then you edit it in the computer, and you never touch the film again. And Dollar uh, was used to uh, editing on a flatbed on a moviola flatbed or whatever in his basement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wasn't uh, too knowledgeable about using the computer to edit. This was a while ago, of course. Now everybody does it on their home computer. But Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, I knew this guy, Joel Denning, who wanted to make a movie. So I introduced uh, Joel and Don, and they collaborated on, uh, Alien, uh, on Alien Rampage. Let me tell you another story that most people don't know. <clears throat> On Alien Rampage, there was uh, an actor named uh, Joe Ripple. You remember him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was what, an FBI agent or something. Mm-hmm. He and Don really hit it off. Joel Denning and Don Dollar kind of drifted apart. And then Joe Ripple said to Don, how about if we make movies? So that's how F- Time Warp Films was uh, evolved. So the point of the story is, if it hadn't have been for me, introducing Joel Denning to Don Dohler to get back into movie making with Alien Rampage, Don Dohler would probably have never met Joe Ripple and there would be no Time Warp films. Well, so you know, I'm, I can... I'm going to take credit there, there... for uh, getting Dohler, Don Dohler back into filmmaking and for uh, meeting uh, Joe Ripple to create so, yeah, Time you, Warp films. You led to Time Warp films, but you, as you were saying that, I was kind of going through, you know, my mind. So you were responsible for so many more things because if you hadn't gotten them together and they hadn't done Time Warm films, I may or may not have ever met Joe Ripple. Uh. I may not be involved with Scarcity Care, the charity. I may never have met Lee Dahl. Wow. Because Mm -hmm. I met Lee Dahl when I went to audition for Sealed Fates. The Time Warp movie. Really? That's where I met Lee. So hmm. I may have never been involved in any of the Lee Doll film productions if you hadn't done that. And that's real. I mean, yeah. think about that. Well, it tells that's you. incredible. In life, uh, you know, uh, things happen that way. If, you, if a lot of people didn't go to a certain nightclub or party that night, they would have never met their future spouse and so-and-so wouldn't have been born. Mm-hmm. You know, life is like a, a crapshoot. Oh, that, that gave me goosebumps thinking about that. That was yeah, that's I interesting. I mean, I, I, maybe Joe would have met Don at a convention or something, but they might not have had a chance to talk and bond and want to make movies together. But of course, yeah. if, if if it hadn't been for me, I don't know if Don Dollar would have ever gone back into movie making because he was right. frustrated the whole thing because Blood yeah. Massacre was sitting on a shelf and. Uh, you know, the money wasn't really rolling in on these previous movies. And, you know, he went back to his publishing business and uh, he had lost track of his contacts and the technology changed. And uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joel Denning uh, sort of kept up with changing technology. So you never know about these kind of things. Would yeah, you like well, to hear we- how I met Lee Dahl? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. the first time I saw him in person, was at the re- in the restroom at the Creative Alliance at the Patterson. We were <laughs> okay. down there, and we just happened to be in the restroom at the same time. And he introduced himself because he, I think I was in one of the movies they were showing. 
but I had known him before that. I had a mail order business selling <laughs> um, videotapes of uh, unusual subject matter that wasn't available commercially. He was one of my mail order customers. Hmm. So we knew each other uh, from oh. that, and but uh, we never actually physically met each other until that men's room encounter. Which <laughs> 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 but then we went, went out in the lobby and acted uh, fine, and, uh, and that's how I met him. And then he took me to a screening of Graveyard Stories at Towson University, and Chris LaMartina was – no, it wasn't Graveyard Stories. It was something else. Book of Lore, I think it was. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Towson University and, and Chris LaMartina was the filmmaker and he was, of course, floating around in the lobby and Lee introduced me to Chris. So that's how I formally met Chris LaMartina okay. to hook up with him. Now, he claims he, he met me briefly at a convention years before that. I don't remember, but it's possible. But uh, that's how I got to befriend uh, Chris LaMartina at that screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he used me in his next movie, Graveyard Stories. Yeah. Well, that was a while ago. He, what, what was he, like 12? He's so young still. <laughs> yeah. He started young. He started young. He must have, yeah. <laughs> He's still young. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. I have underwear older than him, you know? I <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's, that's incredible how, the, you know, the networking and just mm -hmm. the chance meeting of people and then these things relationships have carried on working and personal for decades. Yeah, that was before Facebook. So people could network before Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. And they did, whether in a restroom, <laughs> whether it be at the lobby, <laughs> the lobby of the theater at Towson University is screening mm -hmm. a movie or whether wherever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the real Facebook. Like you it was looking at it someone's was. face. Yeah. Right. About even, <laughs> even back in the eighties playing in bands, you know, you, you, nowadays you just put things out on Facebook and you can advertise through social media, mm -hmm. but I was even talking you know, to like Bud Becker and a number of other musical guests I've had on that played in this scene back in the eighties. And we had to get out face to face and meet people. We had to go out to the clubs and hand out flyers and cassettes oh, yeah. right, and meet people face to face and talk to them and, get them interested that way. They got to know you that way. Instead of just <laughs> put your card on bulletin boards in the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and you know, put stuff up in music stores and, you know, we, we canvassed the area real well, but it was all done face to face back in those right. days. Yeah. Almost seems like, a, especially now after pandemic, it seems like it's just such, such a foreign long ago kind of thing. Something that kind of went the way of the dinosaur. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know you what know. you mean. What do you guys think? I mean, after this pandemic is over, I have a feeling oh. this is my prediction. And uh, uh, let me okay. know if you guys agree and what your <laughs> thoughts are. I think we've had Broadway closed. We've had limited television and film productions and, and a lot of stuff has been done. George, like you had mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, from home, like via zoom or filming things, people film segments of things themselves. And they send them in to be edited and spliced together. But I would say by and large, we've got millions of creative people in this country that have been cooped up for a year that have not had the opportunity to get out and make content and show their content. I have a feeling once things open up, we're going to go through a renaissance. A lot of new material, a lot of new th things are going to be out, movies, TV shows, plays, you name that. And 
I think we're also going to have very, very eager audiences because people have been not able to go out and see things anymore. Let me tell me what you guys think. Well, um, that's quite possible. I mean, uh, I hope movie theaters will open up soon enough. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to see the new James Bond movie, which is supposed to be out last April. And uh, that's there's probably a backlog of films that they're holding on to. I had a, um, I made a comment to uh, one filmmaker friend, I forget who it was, that why don't we make a movie during the pandemic here? We can wear masks, and that way, I mean, it'll date the movie to this era. Mm-hmm. But if I wear a mask, I don't have to learn my lines. I can just loop them later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> kind of movie. <laughs> well, that idea was vetoed, but I thought it would be a way to save my uh, my limited mm-hmm. brain cells from prevent from <laughs> me from learning the lines, because that's harder for me to do now. Mm, I hear you. I'm in the same boat with you. I, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. But if I'm wearing a mask, I'll just wiggle my mouth a little bit and uh, <laughs> loop it all later. That's really not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. What do you think, Alfred? We've kind of talked about this before, but let us know what you think, too. You know, yeah, yeah we have. I, I, I agree to a large extent about what you said about the especially about the audiences being out there, something that personally I'm counting on because there's things I want to do mm-hmm. and, and having the audience there receptive and ready and just like chomping at the bit to get that entertainment. Mm-hmm. On the other side, I do agree that it's going to be, it's going to expand out. I think it's going to be not as fast as we would like as far as people putting their content out. Yep. Because mm-hmm. anytime you have to change, Anytime there's a paradigm shift, there's resistance. Mm-hmm. And for it will be well over a year before people can do it, mm-hmm. which means if you've been doing content, if you've been doing anything, you've been doing it virtually or you've been doing it under the confines of distancing and masks. And I've mm-hmm. seen people still going into film production. Some of it I don't agree with because I think they're not taking precautions, mm-hmm. but I've seen the whole scale of that, too. And people are learning how to do it and learning how to do it better and learning how to do it longer throughout the year. Once they have the ability to go back, there still will be some resistance because they've perfected this method. Just like we've had the method of being able to do whatever we want for what? Hundreds of years. You want to make a film, you go make it. You want to entertain, you go entertain. So I think it's going to be slow and it's going to kind of ramp up. And then I think it's going to be that explosion you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think it may take another year before it looks like it did before because we have to, it doesn't matter if the change is good or ill, there's still resistance to change Mm -hmm. because you can convince somebody why something is great to do it differently and they can believe you, but there's still that human nature. There's a resistance to doing things differently. And I think that's the only thing that will slow the process. On the other hand, for the audiences, there can be some of that too. Some people have been watching movies from home so long it's like, I'm not going to the theater, but there are so many more people that it's more than a movie outing to them. It's mm-hmm. a like kind of like a life event. I know people who used to go to the movies every week and they would see whatever was out. No discernment for what type of movie, genre, big budget, low budget. It's Friday night. They're going to a movie. Those people are going right back. Mm-hmm. But the more leisure moviegoers, it might be a while. 
And it might take a real big blockbuster to get them out of the house mm. because they've been getting blockbusters streaming now. Yeah. And so it'll be a little bit slower, but I do think that once people adapt to that newness, it will explode. And like I said, I'm waiting. I got things to do with you, Mike. Yes, sir. And you, George. And, oh, and yes. We got to get we got to get Fixer Three started. Yes, That's we do. Not going away. Oh yeah. Oh good, good, good. Not going because away. I hope not because I I was I was really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to being your buddy in a movie because it was a buddy. I'm movie. looking for. I can't wait. And you yep. two gentlemen have, I think, such a biased opinion because I wrote it. But I think you have such really dynamic and intense roles in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, the role, and I, I don't know if you know anything about this, George. No, I don't. But the the and and I'll, I'll give you a little bit. The role you were going to play is of a small town sheriff mm-hmm. who has a maybe or maybe not incompetent and crooked deputy. And in this movie, you are up for reelection and you'll do whatever you can to get reelected. So in other words, I'm not going to go to Cancun. uh... (laughs) Oh no, you're, you're going to do, you're going to do other questionable things though. (laughs) And, and, and I'm enjoying it because I look at it, as it's something that I really like to do. And I look at it as a privilege to be able to write something that you might actually perform. Thank you. And, and yeah. so, and, and because of that, I put a lot in it because I, I want it to be good because I want you to think it's mm-hmm. good. Yep. And I, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're going to enjoy that role. Mm-hmm. Will I have a couple of love scenes in it perhaps? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it. Well, <laughs> lust, lust. I'll settle for lust. <laughs> oh, okay you can see i'm not saying it but you, okay mm-hmm. of course, I, char- I charge that i charge extra for doing nudity you know so, <laughs> you're a little you're a little naughty but i think you, you i think you get to keep your mm. uniform on but you're 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 a naughty you're a naughty guy mm. a little naughty okay. i'll say that but it's Great. yeah mm. well whenever i've whenever i've done nudity i've had to pay them and supply give everybody a year's supply of eye bleach (laughs) i'm I'm gonna i'm I'm gonna keep everybody having to worry about that so much okay Um, okay alfred's gonna alfred's gonna make sure that nobody's yeah there'll there'll be other there'll there'll be other parts of this that you can sink your teeth into Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) whatever that means to you absolutely well let's just let's just make sure what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to the to the top of the hill in uh, Ellicott City, and we're going to build a giant dam because that's what's basically put the kibosh on the project for you know, originally, right? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, and George, um, this probably hadn't gotten to you because we hadn't gotten that far, but we had done for the Fixer Three. Jacked up is the subtitle. We had done one promo. Short promo. I wonder if yeah. I can find that. You guys can see that. That's it. Might be on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube. Fix it. it is, be jacked think, up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we done one promo. Mike and I got to work together on that. Mm-hmm. We were scheduled to shoot one weekend. It was going to be outside mm-hmm. at the place where I used to instruct martial arts for my friend. And so Al Finley. And I don't know if you know. You guys yeah. know Al Finley, yeah. but he mm-hmm. kind of does some stuff around. 
he actually was going to bring a tractor trailer for us to use for the stunts. Wow. It was going to be sitting still, but we were actually going to get on top of it and do a little filming. Great. And what happened, it was, it was one weekend in the summer. I guess that might've been June. It was so hot. Jeff had misgivings. Lee did. We all decided we can't shoot that weekend. It was going to be near a hundred and we were going to be outside with no cover. Mm. Oh yeah. And I think it was the, I think the next weekend was that first recent Ellicott city flood. Mm -hmm. And that kind of shut everything down. Cottage antiques got um, damaged Mm. and that's where Lee was working. Yeah. And we haven't been able to ramp back up since then. Um, Mm. I think he's in the process of maybe moving. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been going on for a while. And so, yeah, that flood, I don't know how much we would have done, but I can't, I can't help but believe we would have been into production and finished that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we were, we were all set. Right. Uh, right. But sometimes things happen and, and I've been kind of revising the screenplay and, mm-hmm. and, and actually that's, this is interesting. This is not written as a screenplay. It's actually a novella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to take that and use that for the actual script. Okay. Yeah. So, and it was something that Lee wanted to try. He said, let's do that. So I, I hope to get the novella published, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, it's, it's complete. We're still going through revisions and editing. But the, mm-hmm. but the I think it's the second or third draft now for Fixer 3. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, um, uh, novella form sure yep but i'd like i'd like to actually get a book published and and that's the plan mm-hmm. the, the plan is to release it as a book and a movie hmm. nice so, cool nice that'll be great that'll be great and then we've got to get you into uh the murder mystery you already you earned your spot as a part of the group by the hell of a job that you did in polar I and did, you know that was you know, after that. I, I decided we talked about it, we're like you're a shoe in for this, you know. So now we just have to make it happen because yep. much in the same way, Fixer Three, a natural disaster, you know. Your debut with foul players in the murder mystery side, pandemic took it out, you know. So yeah. we're still yeah. waiting on this day, but the day will come. The day will come. Yeah. You know, you are, you know, you're, you know, you definitely, you know, you definitely, um, like I said, you know, I mean, I mean, even before polar, I wanted to get you anyway, but you know, um, you know, that, that was just the confirmation. Yeah. Polar, polar was an amazing experience and polar was a hell of a lot of fun. And, and George, if, um, you don't know what that involved, we went out to Western Maryland and we did the polar express performance on the train. Oh, for, for week, what was, how many weeks was that, Mike? I think it was at least five or six, five uh, or six weekends. Yeah. Five or six weekends. Yeah. It was Friday like the, through Sunday. Yeah. It was like Up the until, weekend after Thanksgiving through the week before Christmas. I think it was. Yeah. We, we, in fact, we went up, that was 20, what? 2019. 19. So we, yeah. The last date was December 23rd. Yep. Yep. Monday night. Mm-hmm. And, um, we did the whole performance on the train and, People came on the train with their pajamas on, and we had hot chocolate for them. It was mm-hmm. it was incredible. Oh yeah, one of the most fun things I've ever done. It's always a blast. Polar Express movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We we did the uh, a performance adapted from the movie and the book. Really from the book, I think. More yeah, than the movie. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, Eddie Deason visited 
Eddie Deason lives out in Cumberland, and he played one of the kids that he did the voice of one of the kids in the actual movie. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. he came and he was signing autographs one night and he went, I think he, they gave him like a little tour of because yeah, a number yeah. of railroads were running polar. So he had kind of like an autograph giving tour through all these cities that were running it. Cool. And uh, he's a hell of a nice guy. You know, he, he, he's exactly how you would think he is just mm-hmm. a very down to earth, a very kind, he's a good hearted person. Yeah. He was great. Mm-hmm. He really was. And very supportive of everything. Yeah. Yep. Very supportive, yep. very kind. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed meeting him. I really enjoyed meeting him and everything. It was just mm-hmm. a really nice experience for everybody. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was a good experience, I think for those kids. And I was glad that I have the people in the crew or the, the people in the troop or the company that were good examples for those kids. Because we probably had what about twenty at least teenagers in the show. Yes, yeah, some, some small. Yeah. yeah, some of them even in middle school, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like a bunch of pros, and my foul players, you know, mentored them. Really, you know, it was it was a good thing. It was really neat. Well, um, how many uh, cars did the, did it take place in? Just one car. Oh no oh. no no! I mean, how do you entertain? Uh, how do you go? You go from car to car to car in the train to uh, well, murder mystery. We do because murder mystery is only like four cars. Oh, a dressing room car for us, and and then like a kitchen car. But um, usually the murder mysteries is three or four. But polar, I think. What do we have? Like eight or nine of them? I think and sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sometimes we had. I think the least we had was maybe five cars. Right, right. A slow night was five we had about at least eight or nine cars and we just had God, probably what about four or five people in each car. Yeah. Yeah. The way, the way yeah. it worked was basically the way it worked was we had the hot chocolate chefs who were the main entertainment mm-hmm. and we'd have what, two or three on each car. If yep. we had, yeah. so they would, they would entertain. Like if you were on a car, that mm-hmm. was your contained entertainment experience. And mm-hmm. then we had Santa Claus, but we had two Santas. Mm-hmm. And the Santas would go from car to car toward the middle of the of the whole contraption, mm-hmm. which was our kind of dressing car. So yep. they would start at either end and go like this. Mm-hmm. But as far as the other entertainers, we all had our own car. Right. And um, uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was great. And we had elves. Um, yeah, yeah, the elves. The elves. We had elves mm-hmm. to follow each Santa. So so and a hobo participant. You only saw the one Santa. You didn't see both. Right. 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 Yeah. To to so that we could do it in a good time frame because there was mm-hmm. a lot of cars and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then there were the kids that were like the main characters in the movie too. That would move right. Right. They they, would they have... travel through the car. That's yeah. right. The conductor mm-hmm. and the conductor the Santas, too. Yeah. And the two the two like hero kids or two or three hero kids. Yep. They travel throughout the train. Mm-hmm. And then the hot chocolate chefs. Two or three of them had their own train car. Mm-hmm. And then we were Christmas caroling and you know, singing Christmas carols. The, the chefs were kind of like, um, they would lead, they would serve the hot chocolate. They would lead the singing of Christmas carols and all the little songs. And we did a storybook whenever they would tell the Polar Express story, mm-hmm. they would walk up and down the aisle with a book open and they like, have the little kids like look at the pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. And then um, we would drive by the North Pole 
and Santa would be there and he would be waving and all the kids would be, you know, going nuts and jumping around because they saw Santa, Santa would board. And then, you know, there was already, there was one that was already on the train and then the other one would get on. They would just kind of like, you know, split and go back and forth and up right. center. And then the elves were with them and then the hobo was going around and it was, it was really neat. It was a really neat production. It went over very well. It right? was amazing. But again, you know, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did the train uh, end the trip at the place where it started? Like it went a circle or something? Or yeah, it went uh, out. forward and back. Mm-hmm. It went out, okay. and then then went backwards back to mm-hmm. the um, station. There, was yeah. there a dining car to serve serve food? They had uh, different tiers of. They, you could get um, you could get just regular seats, a regular seated train mm-hmm. car. Or you could get like the VIP, which was a um, like a dining car where they had tables, uh, and you could uh, and you would get goodies with it too. I think there were like yeah. toys or um, a mug. You got a, a mug, mug, yeah, and, and a gift bag, mm-hmm. yeah. And 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 so George, there wasn't like a there. Those were dining cars, but there weren't meals for that because it was like an hour. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. what they got, they got the hot chocolate and then they got mm-hmm. the big Christmas cookies. Mm-hmm. So it was like they got hot chocolate and cookies during the thing. And we would give that out. And then when they had that, we would read the story to them mm-hmm. while they had their chocolate and cookies. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And um, the thing that was really nice about it, too, was like for a lot of those young kids, this was their first paycheck. Oh, Cool. This was their first yeah, the performers. Yeah. 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 And, and this was like the first part-time job they'd ever had. First time they'd ever earned a paycheck. So uh, they were proud whenever we gave out payroll, you know, the nights when we gave out payroll, they were just as proud as could be. And they couldn't believe, you know, that they, uh, they got money and everything. It was very exciting for them. Yeah. Well, I guess it would be. I've been, I've been waiting for some money on my last several. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll never get it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, th- this, that, that's, that probably served to grow some budding entertainers. Right. Yes. yes. May show up soon in some of our movies, you know, some of those kids. Oh yeah. They, and, yeah. And they were, they were all great too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They all did a great job, worked really hard. Yeah. You know, was, what was the age was, range? Oh, I think 11 through 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty wide mm-hmm. age range. Yeah. Then we had a couple. Some of them were so tiny you couldn't tell how old they were. I was like, yeah. Can you even be outside? Mm-hmm. Even tiny. <laughs> yeah, I know. There was a couple. We had a couple little tiny elves. Yeah. Oh, cute yeah. little kids. They were just great. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Now I can, I can imagine if they come back. God, we're gonna see these kids like all grown up. Right. And we we, we would have missed them for couple, two years too. Couple years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be like, you know, you come back, it, it's like, um, it's like you watch an old, uh, you watch an old episode of Leave at the Beaver, and then you watch like one of the last seasons where he's like six foot two and saying, hey, dad, you know, <laughs> still talking like that. And yeah, he's like, yeah, gee, dad, I don't want them to be sore at me. Well, Beaver, you shouldn't have done that. Well, I'm sorry, dad. Yes, sir. <laughs> Beaver, Beaver, you're six foot two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, one, one last uh, thing I wanted to ask you about um, you know, before we wrap it up here, George, is um, it looks like you 
been in a couple of projects with uh, Dick Dizel, Count Gore Duvall. Right. Who I used to love as a kid watching Captain 20. And um, what was he like? Uh, what was it like working with him? I mean, he's a pretty well-known, you know, um, has a good following as Count Gore Duvall with Creature Feature and both on TV and online. What was he like? I know you work with him too, Alfred. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, the first time I worked with him was in the alien factor mm-hmm. and, um, uh, his, uh, he was a re- very nice guy. He still mm-hmm. is a very nice guy and he's funny, makes jokes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was a pioneer with this stuff in this area. And he, I think he was the first horror host to be on the internet or something. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, I still get his weekly message about what he's showing and, uh, Hi, yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. And I went to uh, um, uh, partied his his house once, and uh, he's, I, I'm, I've seen him in makeup more than uh, without makeup, most likely. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe that that's not true because in the Alien Factor and uh, Night Beast and Galaxy Invader, he didn't wear his makeup. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, he's a real fine guy. I like him a lot. He's fun to be around. Uh, it's a good experience. Wonderful. Uh, with him. Well, wonderful. Well, George, I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us tonight and tell us your experiences and your stories. And um, again, you know, when I've you know, worked with you with Lee and everything, it's always been a pleasure. It's always Thank been you. a pleasure. Yeah. And um yeah, I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. So uh, thank you again for taking the time. Alfred, again, thank you for coming in. And, uh, you know, you're quite welcome. Now, George was going to be here. There's no way I couldn't do this. Come oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, oh. <laughs> absolutely. So, folks, uh, you've been listening to George Stover with my special horror movie correspondent co-host of Foul Players Radio, Alfred Guy. Uh, we thank you all for listening this evening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again, George. You're very welcome. Thanks, George. Alfred. Howdy. It's Matt Gwynn here. Popping in to let you know about the adventures of the albino rhino. It's a show. uh, Frank the giraffe here. My whole host, James Godwin, and myself put on for you guys twice a week. Uh, Every Wednesday, we talk to a comedian. And every Friday, we call it Freaky Friday. The show itself is not safe for work, and that freak is definitely a different word. I just don't know what podcast you're going to be listening to this promo on, and I don't want to, uh, you know, start screaming explicatives while you're sitting in your office. If you're lucky enough to have been able to go back to the work that you did before inside of an office or whatever, you know, but we go on an adventure twice a week, and it's a good time because we get to sit down and talk to some really cool people. Uh, and I enjoy it because, you know, I'm just curious little albino who uh, likes to get to know folks. You know, you can find us a couple ways, actually multiple ways. Really, man, there's a lot of different ways to find us. You can find us through our central hub, which is www.albinorhino.me. It's the website find me on and then you know the podcast you can find the videos on youtube search for adventures of the albino rhino also linkable from our website you can also find us through anchor breaker google podcasts apple podcasts overcast radio public and spotify that's right we're on the same place joe rogan is 
granted, we're not we're not the Joe Rogan experience, but you know what I mean? We're there. We're there. So give us a listen. Promise you won't be promise you won't be dissatisfied and enjoy your day. going on minions mike here for misery point radio and you're listening to the coast to coast power hour on the sj network now i know what you're thinking mike what the f is a coast to coast power hour well my uneducated and uninformed friend the coast to coast power hour is a board like collective of epic podcasters from epic podcasts that have all come together to discuss the important things in life pop culture current events random awesomeness stuff like that trust me you need this in your life for more information on this show and all the shows on the coast to coast power hour as well as on the sj network reach out to publicist steve joiner at www.s-j-network.com or steve sjnetwork at gmail.com no need to thank me i'm just out here you know changing lives What's Your Effin' Binge is a podcast brought to you by Chris, Anchor, and Spotify. And what we talk to our guest about is what they're currently binge-watching on TV. And uh, what we do is we like to uh, take a different approach. I don't want to know what the name of the show is that they're going to talk about before they come on. I have to actually guess it. So I ask them who, what, when, where, why, and uh, try to figure out what it is that they're watching. A lot of times I'm able to guess it. And sometimes I'm not, and that's fine. That adds to the comedy of the show. We like to bring our guest on, whether they're a model or an actress or a producer or a musician, and just let them have a platform to be able to tell everybody what they have coming up next and also entertain everybody with what's worth watching. So I hope everybody tunes in for the next episode of What's Your Effin' Binge. Thanks. It's Chris.